0: welcome to green mountain disability stories a series of conversations by with and for vermonters with disabilities we're talking about disability in vermont the green mountain state in this episode of the show we are lucky enough to have author and disability rights advocate hannah setzer join us from north carolina setzer runs the hugely popular instagram account feeding tube fitness and just released a brand new book, I'll Pray For You and Other Outrageous Things Said to Disabled People. Setzer joins the director of the Vermont Continents Project, Chaya Lichtig, as they discuss disability, preconceptions, Instagram as both a community for people with disabilities and a public arena, and of course, the outrageous things said to disabled people. Let's listen.
1: just and I don't know you at all we're meeting for the first time but I'm introducing you based on um having read your book followed you online and also read a bit about you from different content on the internet so um when I get to the end I would love if you fill me in if anything is wrong or if anything is um if I left anything out and I'm sure I'm going to (laughs) Uh so Hannah Setzer is a self-described joyful rebel. Some of the many hats she wears are homesteader, business owner, foster and adoptive parent, a community activist and organizer, a social worker, a disability rights advocate with the Disability Law Center of Virginia. Hannah is a fierce athlete. And at this point is probably best known for her Instagram page, Feeding Tube Fitness, where she shares serious and funny fitness and health content, inspiration, thoughts, and the occasional dead on rant. She regularly encourages her online following to move in whatever way makes them feel good and physically and financially and offers physically and financially accessible ideas for fitness and movement. Hannah is the author of the funny, touching, and thoughtful book, I'll Pray For You and Other Outrageous Things Said to Disabled People.
2: <laughs> Hannah, <Wow>. did I
1: <laughs> spot on? Is that what you said? <laughs>
2: Yeah, that was great uh, this <laughs> and just like following it around and introducing <laughs> the people because that was better than I could do
1: <laughs> I could send it to you yeah. you know what the farther I read into your book the more impressed I was with all the extraordinary things that you do with your life and um, all of the things that uh all the things that you're passionate about um <clears throat> Just so you know a little bit about me because, you know, before this moment, um, you probably only knew if you looked me up on our on our organization's website. So I am an occupational therapist and um, I work for a project uh, center at the University of Vermont and our center is called the Center on Disability and Community Inclusion. And um, so a lot of our work is centered on this idea of Uh, access and participation, regardless of skill, regardless of disability, and so I'm sure you can see why your message and your work online really spoke to me, and when you um, put out the call that you were looking for some some places to uh, publicize, that you had written this great book, uh, um, I I really jumped at the opportunity. My two areas where I do the most of my work are um like early childhood practice, birth to three or birth to five. Um, and then also continence. So continence care is a big part of, of my work. Um and uh and yeah, so that's me, that's what I do. And so a lot of my questions are obviously kind of grounded in in that. Um and you know, at any point during this interview, if you feel like what I'm saying or how I'm, uh, kind of framing you or your work it doesn't feel authentic. Totally. Feel free to let me know that totally feel free to help us realign. Um, I do have a bunch of questions, but we'll, we'll see where our conversation goes.
2: <laughs> sounds Awesome.
1: Good. Uh, so the first question that I wanted to ask you is actually about about the title of your book and the concept behind your book so the title of your book includes the words other outrageous things that people say to disabled people um and you know we we've heard a lot of them in in my mm-hmm. line of work um and I I don't know it might be like a sour jumping off point but I'm wondering if you could share a couple more of the ones that just like really have have either rubbed you the wrong way or kind of like shocked you for how totally not insightful they were
2: (laughs) so it's not always like things that people just say sometimes it's actions and literally I can tell you an example that happened an hour ago and I was like good timing and my husband and I stopped so he could get lunch at a food truck and and we stopped, and he placed his order, and the woman told him the total. And I had hash, so I pulled out hash to hand to her, and she said, "Oh, the food is the her, not for you." And he was like, "No," and she was like, "No, t- like you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay." And he was like, yeah, we're like Here's like this dollars fourteen fifty or whatever." And she was like, no, it's, it's for her. It's not for you. Like, she doesn't have to pay. And then my husband was like, what is happening? And I was like, she like feels sorry for me because I'm disabled and she's not charging the food because she thinks I can't order my food for myself and then you have to order. And he was like, no way. And I was like, yes dude like that is sure. what's happening um and so like we left hand tip that we took the free food like if that's <laughs> a choice that you want to make and an assumption that you want to make like who and i to stop you <laughs> like <laughs> and then i'll take the food um so that yeah. just happened today that yeah. i so my husband and I own a business we sell physical and products and one time I was at a founder'snut selling them like I was just throwing myself behind that table and and the dad came up to me and said who who told you you had to do here and I said, right And he was like iss something you to do here and I was like no and he was like well that's not right somebody should be paying you and I was like what are you talking about dude like mm-hmm. I'm just adding, like it. like I think mm-hmm. people are selling stuff too and he like handed me 20 dollars, and he was like it's not right that you have to write for somebody else and not get paid like I hate having people the same them people and I was like okay. And I think he thought I was like, somebody's like puppet that was like right. sitting at this table and they like went out doing something. And so I took this 20 hours and I was like, <laughs> i just did. And I was like, I own this business. Like I'm business owner. Like this is my product I'm selling. And I think he just like could not. Imagine the possibility that a disabled person would own a business, like be out selling stuff without being forced to. That some other right. person, I don't know. So right. yeah, people. I mean, I just like wild, like yeah. that. Like, and I had the ribbon one on, like the women today. Right. Like, I had tattoos. Like, I don't. Yeah. know. No, like my face looks how it looks that I don't right. I wasn't like I'm the one that had the nutty. Like I turned right. out the today and the lady was still like oh like she it, the food's the like it's three and I was like none of the dude like that's okay. on you
1: it's so interesting. I mean like um how you know, I I'm sure that you've heard this term of kind of like visible versus invisible disabilities and, and how many people with invisible disabilities are treated incredibly poorly in society because people may not realize that they need certain accommodations. Right. Uh And in some ways it's like, I hear from you that you have the opposite thing going on in your life where people, see that you have right this disability that you have this facial difference they see your trach whatever it is and they make all kinds of assumptions about you which on the one hand right they don't even even if you did require certain accommodations like they're not doing it in a way that's respectful or personal to you that's just demeaning you as a person right
2: yeah
1: um Yeah, it's so, I mean, it's just so, it's so interesting. Just so many of the stories that you told in your, in your book, you know, it's like, it it was so clear to me, like the resilience that you have developed and resilience doesn't just mean being super tough, right? Like sometimes it means being super vulnerable just to say like, this sucks and I don't, I don't owe you an explanation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was I was thinking um near the beginning of your book you um were writing you wrote about like um all the people who tell tell you they're going to pray for you and how how often you hear that and um I I was reading this book last summer that I absolutely loved um the name of the book was um maybe you should talk to someone and I don't know if you've heard of it but uh-huh. It's a great book and it's written by um, by a therapist and she talks about how like she was getting sick and how so much of the phobia about getting sick is is that it puts you in touch with your own mortality. It puts you in touch with this idea that like anything could happen to anyone at any time, right? Like I could get in a car crash this afternoon that would change the course of my life. I could have a baby who had, you know, a significant disability or or some other need and and um, I, I'm trying to fit, I'm trying to wrap my head around what I'm trying to say. It's like that people will will tell you that you know they're going to pray for you, kind of as if number one that you're not praying hard enough for yourself, and that's why you're like this, and also like that you don't that you don't care. Enough, or that like this is the thing that you need to care about, the thing that you need to be healed from, and I'm I'm just kind of wondering like if you could speak to that at all.
2: Yeah, I think it's just a big assumption that people have when they see somebody who's different to assume that different is negative or different means they have to be fixed so that they yeah. look the same as everyone else does. And so in the book I talked about like a woman who came up to me at a church that I was visiting and didn't introduce herself, didn't like I didn't know anyone in the church. This is my first time visiting this church. And she came up and put her hands on my head and started playing for me and speaking in tongues. And I was so uncomfortable and, like, touched her hands off me and walked away. And it just, yeah, it's just crazy the, the audacity that people have to assume that they know what I need in my life, or what should happen in my life without even knowing that name, and with a single thing about me. And and, it's just very like bold and brazen of people to make those assumptions and to think like. Really just based on how my face looks, that they should know the trajectory of my life without knowing anything about me. Yeah. Or assuming that like you said, like that I don't care, or that I'm like not doing enough to like be fixed and be healed or whatever mm-hmm. but when they don't know and another whole history that has, you know, like had six 60, 60s in my life and I'm yeah. and 32. And like, a lot of things have been tried. <laughs> like, yeah. I think this is the best it is done to get and that <laughs> is okay. Totally.
1: Yeah. Um, and also that like, if you're healthy and you like your life, right? And healthy is defined by the person who's living that life and in that body and you you like who you are that it's really up to you what you how you choose to you know what you do or do not choose to pursue right like i think i think that's such it, it's it is just so interesting how many people really like equate appearance with whether or not you've done the right things and make the right choices um
2: yeah and I, I yeah. mean, certainly, that goes beyond disability that goes into like weight and fitness yeah. and like just runs the day it as people, society still yeah. been in that like thin light is like the way to be, and that is the like superior, and like that's the goal that you should be striving for. But it's totally. like there's Look at billions of people on Earth, and nobody looks the same, and it's beautiful that we are all so different. And I don't know why it's so hard to celebrate that, because um, it certainly should be. That yeah, yeah.
1: Um. Uh, I wanted to I wanted to talk to you about um the um uh, the chapter where you talk about being not being an inspiration um and I actually and now I'm going to have my like Terry Gross moment and I'm going to actually if you don't mind read it uh because I just love um I love what you wrote and so I'm going to I'm going to read uh for a moment you said I'm not inspirational if I had a dollar for every time I was told I was inspirational I would be sending all my friends to space in our own rockets because I'd be so rich. The world loves to label people with disabilities and medical conditions as inspirational. Living my life with surgeries and medical devices does not make me inspirational. Simply existing as a person in a world and society that doesn't understand me and doesn't accept me isn't inspirational. Um, I think we've twisted the meaning of inspirational. It's become something that drips of pity and sadness and sometimes relief that our, our lives aren't as sad as others look at that person. They're so inspirational. But if you actually look at their lives, chances are they aren't doing anything inspirational. And then you go on to talk about your own life and um, also, you know, a f- friends of yours who have disabilities who are, you know, called inspirational just, just for existing. And I'm assuming you've heard the term inspiration porn, right? Um, and that this is like something that, you know, because I work with kids who um, who are often born or very, very early on, there's something identified that, you know, either there's a medical crisis or a pretty clear indicator that developmentally, this child's need a lot more care and support. Um, their families are often sort of processing and even grieving the fact that their life with their child and that their child's life isn't gonna be what they expected. Um, and a lot of times our work and our team's work is to like remind families and their local providers, cause we're, we're consultants, that like, this is a real whole person right in front of you, you know, regardless of what they are capable of, how they're capable of communicating with you. Um, And I think the flip side of this coin is to like, feel inspired, like you were saying, by like the very existence of people with disabilities, you know, buying toilet paper, getting on a bus. Um, And so this is a little, this question for you is like, what do you, what would you like folks to know about your experience of being told that you're an inspiration while doing
2: everyday things or? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, like, just ridiculous, like I said in the book, like, I think people people often use it in, like, earnest and kind ways, but I think it always is tinged with a bit of, like, ooh, I'm glad that's Mm. not me. Yeah. that has to be so hard. And um, uh, to be very honest, like, I hitch myself sometimes saying that too. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm watching a video on Instagram of a disabled athlete or something, or somebody doing something really impressive, I have I often am like, dang, like, she's inspirational, that I have to. She so, said, you know what, like, why why do I think that? Is it because she is doing this crazy athletic thing that I mm-hmm. can't do? And that is inspiring me to strive harder to be able to do that particular exercise and particular movement?" So I, I think you just have to think right are saying things. And I have to do too, certainly. Um like I said in the book, like, my friend is in a wheelchair and she gets told at the grocery store, like, you're so inspirational. And she's like, I'm literally just, like, shopping for toothpaste. Like, there's nothing (laughs) inspirational about this. And I I don't mind being inspirational if it inspires you to do something. Like, if there's an action or a change in thought behind it, like, if I inspire you to, like, change your thinking about how disabled people live, like, cool, like, I'm happy to inspire you to do that. If I incited you to go outside on a walk every day, like, I'm happy about that, too. Yeah. If I inspire you to sign up to be a foster parent in the town. Amazing. Like, kids need homes. So, like, great job. But if I'm simply being told, you're so inspirational. and there's no, like, because behind it. Like, I want right. to be installational because X, Y, Z and that reason cannot be simply existing it has to be because of something i'm doing and in turn that has to let you want to and hopefully take action yeah. upon changing something in their own life too
1: yeah yeah i wonder like if i if i troll my own thoughts i find you to be incredibly inspirational and i find you to be incredibly inspirational the farther i read into your book and i was like she does that too <laughs> she does that to- holy cow you know um just that you like but from the beginning of your book you make it so clear that you're like if i believe in something and i care about something i'm gonna go get it done and i'm gonna be a part of it and um i find i find that so inspirational and i and i wonder if like a lot of the message under people just labeling people as inspirational for existing is like oh it's hard for you to exist right like it takes more effort for you to be here and you do extra things like wow you know and i think it's it's i think it might be like a statement about how each of us sees ourselves as not capable you know what i mean like oh well if i if my life were hard then you know then like how many parents with children with with special needs that I work with are like I'm so tired of other parents telling me I couldn't do what you do. It's like of course you would do what I do, you know what I mean? Like it's your kid, you take care of them and and it doesn't make me inspirational. It probably just makes me more tired. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm just just out here trying to be me. Um
2: yeah, I I hear that a lot in two avenues of my life. One and as a foster parent, people would be like, I can never do that. Like you are so amazing. And I'm like but like I'm I nothing special. Like I just know the other running statistics and how many kids need homes and like yeah. I had the home. Like that literally that is like <laughs> how easy the deciding factor was and my husband and I to start the process. Yeah. Like, is there kids in our town that need places to be? Like, a safe place to land? Yes? Okay. Like, sign me up. Um, yeah I also hear all the time on Instagram when I post fitness-related like related things. And people will be like, oh my gosh, like, I, like, I'm not disabled and I do that and I'm like, you probably could, you just don't want to put in the effort and I and Susan to put in the effort so maybe that's installation or maybe it's not but I don't think every choice Lynette has to have installation attached to it. there's, there's really right. like, determination and hard work that people can choose to do. Like, sure. That's a, I pay to join the gym. Like, I does it that time in that day to go to that gym. Like, that's a choice that I make not, not having anything to do with my disability, but <laughs> <Like>, just as a <laughs> person that like yeah. you can make those choices in the day too, and but. Like, so it doesn't all have to tie back to disability, but I think when people are disabled, it always does come back to that because people want to attach what they are doing to the fact that you have a disability.
1: Yeah, you know, that's something I was wondering about as I was, as I was reading through your book and actually kind of aligns perfectly with my my next question, which was um which is about your your Instagram presence and your fitness, uh your feeding tube fitness account. Um you know I got a big kick out of you saying that you started your account because you wanted free leggings. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> You're like, totally right. <laughs> um and I get that for sure. And you also talk later in the book um about, you know, your dawning awareness over time of, and this is a quote, how inaccessible fitness is to the disability community. And I'm wondering like, did the did the fact of having a visible disability impact your decision to build a social media platform in any way, like either for or against? Or was it, was it really just a fact that that it was there?
2: Yeah. I certainly think just the fact that it was there, I, was, I like had a New Year's resolution in 2018 to lose my daddy for 30 days straight, and and then 30 days turned into 50 into 100, and literally my, my real-life friends were like, we're tired of you talking about this, like can you like <laughs> make a fitness Instagram and like talk to other people? And, and so I did, you know, like, with no real intentions. And um, mm-hmm. as, like, I, I just didn't know that the fitness community was so big. And I had done several half marathons and played, like, in a little streets in Howard's that had never been in, like, the fitness world like I am now and so I clearly I just didn't know and how good it was and how not diversified it was Mm and so I I had learned a lot from building this community that I never anticipated and and honestly it was four and a half years into my journey of movement before I ever stepped foot inside the gym. Like, I was just doing everything at home by myself. And So I, I didn't really know what it was like to be out in a community of people at a gym. And in June of 2020, I got invited today to the that gym in my town and I was terrified because I was like huh? so, like I can never yeah. do it like that yeah and, and clearly like not one single moment that I had been in that gym and not every day but many times a week since June had I felt Added twice, like not wanted, like not accepted. Like, uh, really from the minute I walked in the it's like m- that community has been so hard and so, I mean, and then it's really so inclusive. Like, Sundays 19 and 2 will just not be happy and hurt my dad and I'll go and be like, oh, like I can't do half the things today. And then they're like, all right, like, right, let's do this, this, this. Like, without dabbing an eye, without feeling noise, like, just so, like, okay, like, this is what him doing today. Like, right at And, like, right now, there's a worldwide plastic competition happening. It was last Friday. This, well, this won't make sense when it comes out. It was just three Fridays. Yeah. And, and, like, I'm done this afternoon, and one of the things that you have to do and there's a dog, dog and on your shoulders, which I don't do because of my trick, and yeah. I just do dumbbells those instead, <laughs> and it's like, okay, like, what is it? Like, yeah. n- nobody cares, like, I'm in there, light and hard, everyone else is light and hard, and I feel so supported. Which honestly, I did not know that you can feel in a gym just because I had not identified one. So I'm grateful yes. to have the gym I have. Um, and just to know that, like, there are spaces in the fitness world when people are being celebrated and accepted and then not assigned things if they have to, that like, not in a way that makes them feel inadequate or less than but, nope, we are going to celebrate you and what you can do and if this is what you can do awesome let's do it yeah um
1: that's there are so many things about what you said that were really um that are really like lovely and really encouraging to hear i think especially for people who are you know feel like a little more hesitant about like getting into being part of like a fitness community. And, um, I also just want to say that one of the first things that you said was basically that you kind of forged this on your own for years. And that in and of itself is the part I find the most impressive, because if I'm not following a class, I'm, I'm going to go sit down. <laughs> that's, that's my vibe these days. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking like, one of the things that I really love about your Instagram account, one of the things I come back to again and again, is that, you know, you regularly celebrate your wins, like, you know, a taller box jump or a heavier weight for a certain exercise. Um, And then also, I love that you guys do these like really funny and enjoyable stunts, either with your husband, Brandon, or your gym friends, like they're just so fun, like they just most of them like end hysterically. And I love that. I, I love that, <laughs> I love that you're not like waiting until it's perfect, you know? Um, yeah, <laughs> it's just like, what's perfect? Um, and I do wonder, and maybe if this is redundant, you can just like pass, but like, is there a specific message that you want your online presence to show the world
2: or? I think, and i talked about this in there the, too, like. I I do not think that I am, like, the most fit person in the world, the strongest, the fastest, the most beautiful, the most, like, well-stoked in. I don't think any of those things about myself, but I am willing to put myself out there in the world in hopes that society at large can sit can see a disabled person doing all the insane things that I do because I growing up, I didn't ever see like representation of anyone that looked like me certainly but these are not disabled people as a whole and in the media you know like yeah. snoobies TV anything. so if I can go first I'm happy to again not because I think I'm the best and I should be out there as like the toasted child and disabled anything but if I can do like a gateway to another disabled person saying oh my gosh like I can try this or like Uh I, I always wanted to Pissing the fashion and pissing the model and everything. And they see the video that I had of me like walking on the runway. Again, not because I'm like A plus runway of model, because I'm not. That those dreams are dreams that other people dream. Even yeah. if they're not my dreams, that if I can do, like the entry point to to yeah. saying oh my gosh like I can do these things because I never saw that as a kid growing up like I am happy to do first I am having to like be out in the world doing these things having them on social media even if I am like failing but you know <laughs> like people on Instagram like if I post anything at the gym I always get comments and like you're doing it wrong and blah, 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 But like, who does a f but like, yeah. I'm actually doing it. Yeah. And hopefully that will give somebody else the confidence and the encouragement to do the thing that they want to do, too. Yeah.
1: Um, I think that's such that's super thoughtful, and it um actually i feel like we're just just like gliding like butter through these questions that i have here because <laughs> because my next question was kind of about um you know you talk about like how kind of exhausting it can be to put yourself in the spotlight and i i hear you saying you know that um that like the people who you're really wanting to touch are not not all the people who want you to be an ambassador for, for, to the, to the like non-disabled world, but it's really like helping other people who have disabilities out there to, to see that there's a community out there that they can feel connected to.
2: Yeah. I think it's really important and really beautiful yeah. to have visibility and representation. Yeah. And I talk. I, I, I use the example a lot in the recent and um, the new, Little mandate movie that's coming out that has a Black and women playing Ariel. And there's yeah. all these like, reaction videos and all these little Black girls seeing Ariel for the first time. And they'd wow. be like, like, she's like me. Yeah. And I mean, I would like, just sad every time I see those videos it's just so important and i just think about all the like little disabled girls and boys who are just wanting for the day that they can feel included and see themselves like yeah. as a disney princess at really you know like i just think community is so important and growing up i just didn't have that and. Yeah. But like, honestly, it wasn't until college that I had my first disabled friend. Yeah. And she is one of their best friends. And I just, I grew up that my parents not using the term disabled. They would just be like, oh, Hannah has a medical condition, right? And and this friend from college has cerebral palsy. And she grew up, her parents saying, you had a disability, you're disabled. And and we had a lot of like Hun to Jesus talk. So she was like, hey, like, you're disabled. And I'd be like, no, I'm not. And she'd be like, yes, like, right, you literally are. But <laughs> like, because she was my best friend, and it was like, it's okay that we had these conversations. Yeah. And um, it just like that process that me of accepting this identity and has truly just opened up this whole community that I didn't know I was missing and didn't know that I needed until I found it and and it just yeah it's like so beautiful and I'm so appreciative that uh, the story I told in the beginning about the lady at the food truck today I posted <clears throat> on instagram and i like instantly sent it to all of my disabled friends and i was like tell me this hasn't happened to you because i know it has yeah. and there's just something about feeling known and seen and like laughing about these ridiculous things with other yeah. disabled people that is like unmatched in the world yeah. like my my husband is amazing and so high and patient that he's not disabled and so like and then today I had to like tell him what was happening at the food truck right when like I texted my disabled friends and they're like oh yeah mm-hmm. they got it
1: right away totally <laughs> they yeah they knew yeah and it's I mean it, that is really such a such a story of kind of like you know the the sort of social media and the media sphere being like a force for good that you talk about all the people that you managed to connect with um through that um i wanted to i wanted to read one more one more um thing that you wrote um and it's after you talk about some experiences that you had as a kid um you talked about um going to the zoo and the child there sort of singling you out and and bullying you. And then you said, these days, kids can get picked on by millions of people all across the world at the tap of a finger. We speak out against all these horrors, but we give life to more and more pathways to have access to people. There's more representation now than ever, but it still comes at the cost of hurt people behind screens a new kind of exhaustion sets in when you allow yourself to be public and thousands of people are entering your home and saying whatever they want to via a four inch iPhone screen. Um, that just like, oh man, my heart just just really like went out to you when I read that. Um, and I was wondering if you'd be willing to speak from your experience now being in very much in the spotlight and in a very public identity, um, what communities of of allies um, can do to make virtual spaces safer and more supportive for people like you who are really putting yourselves out there?
2: Definitely listening to us when we speak and, and respecting the words that we use and now, that's when Ashley that I was just talking about with cerebral palsy, she has a big account as well on Instagram. And she would refer to herself as a disabled woman. And I did the same on that account. And every time, we get hundreds of comments saying, like, yeah. you're not disabled, like, don't talk about yourself that way. Like, you're just different or, like, you're special or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, like, I can talk about myself how I want to talk, excuse me, about myself, and disabled is not a bad word. It's right. like, if I'm out here in the world calling myself and disabled women, then you need to listen to that and respect that and use that terminology, like, I'm sorry if that makes you uncomfortable. Because society has not always used that turn in a positive way, yeah. and that we are the experts on ourselves, and not to everyone, but yeah. Yeah. you are the expert on you. I'm not. So, if you said, "This is what I want you to call me. This is how I want to be talked about," okay, like I respect okay. that. So, I think it's really just as simple as that. Like, when disabled people are taught in, but listen and respect what they say, and don't try to tell us that you know differently or that you know better than we do. And I think that's just a common heresy that society in general is missing these days. Like, respecting people, saying who they are, and let their light out of their lives, and so definitely a cause to disabled people, that I would say society as a whole.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. That's, that's really, really well said. It's, it's, um, your point about like how, how the word disabled was, right, it was really considered to be sort of a dirty word for such a long time and for people you know for people with disabilities to reclaim that word and say like no it's not a it's not a bad word and it can describe me and that's okay um it, i think it, you know I, I think it goes back to this idea that people are afraid right often afraid of like oh my gosh what if that were me i wouldn't want someone to call me disabled you know so
2: then i i have friends in wheelchairs that refer to themselves as crippled, and, like, that I think a lot of disabled people are, like, re this no headway and this terminology, and, like, what like I said, it might make you uncomfortable, That I think it's something that we just have to be okay with and accept and respect, and I think that there's to other, like, minorities too, like, yeah. It's not just a thing that disabled people are behind in terminology. I think that is happening in a lot of different groups these days and like yeah. and there's I mean, yeah, I'll talk to older like older generations and say disabled person and they'll say, Oh no, you're a person with a disability. And I'm like, right. you know, like it's okay to like disabled person's one less word to say like it's really just easier like yeah. it's, it doesn't have a dad connotation and they'll be like no that person first language is right. deaded has you know a person and I'm like yeah I'm a disabled person it's just
1: saying like I'm still yep. a person either way I'm just trying to save the word totally yeah yeah I yep yeah. that's um that's absolutely spot on. Um, I I had a another question that was kind of about like a media representation of of you and media representation of disability. And um, when I was preparing for this interview, I I read your book um, and I also searched online to find you know information that maybe you you hadn't posted about or kind of details about more things about you, and what I found really difficult was to find information about um, you and your work, um, and I don't know if you have a sense of what I'm about to say, but every single headline with n- no um, no shade uh, thrown to anybody, every single headline uh, references your disability in a gr- degree of detail that seems wholly unnecessary, right? Like. Uh, one, one headline was like woman who can't smile becomes disability rights advocate. Another one was woman can't close her eyes or shut her mouth after Dr. Blender. And it was like, which if I'm reading correctly, that happened when you were an infant, right? And it's an article about your fitness and activism work as an adult. And I was like, what would it be like for me? Like woman who got stung by an entire beehive, gets a job someday, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Um, and I just, um, I'm wondering, like, if you have thoughts about, like, just the representation of your disability and, like, publicity of you or your work,
2: um. So, I'll be honest, some of that is on me because I had no idea how to talk to the media when things, like, are... I, I went or I would say, Within, like, six months of starting that Instagram account and just had no concept of, like, hey, you shouldn't say everything to a journalist because they will use everything you say. Probably yeah. against you. Um, so I just didn't know and, like, just didn't understand, like, what the headlines and what the yeah. articles like that. Um, so I, um Let's write a letter now, and also like let people send me the headline ahead of time and like yeah. send me the article ahead of time, so I can say yeah. oh, no, this is not what we're doing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was kind of just like a risen line. but like, holy, crap, the media yeah. is crazy. Um. It's definitely like I went down on the FaceTime the like the new I wasn't even that here in the US. And I guess in the new they had a lot more like the Daily Mail and just like oh. kind of trashier like sites like that. They're just like right. story after story after story. And, like, right. Just like tabloid get, press, basically. Yeah, yeah. Just things
1: to put
2: on. And so that was the first time I went like, down and I And mean, then it was just like, so I had no idea what what I was getting into. And um, so definitely had learned along the way how to say things that's diplomatically. Um that yeah, the video is <laughs> <laughs> Totally.
1: <laughs> Period case closed, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. I mean, you're you're so right that like you know, I think part of it was like, you know, when I read your book and I see all of the extraordinary work you're doing, right. And, and, and your, your tagline in your book, which says like, my disability is the least interesting thing about me. And it's so interesting still how like just all this media representation focuses so much on, on your disability, you know, and I was just, it, it was so interesting how I was like, I couldn't even find anywhere that it referenced that you're a social worker, for example, <laughs> or like, you know what I mean? Or, or anything like that. Like, so it was just really, it really stood out to me. Um, um, I wanna ask about your um, accessible park, accessible playground project. Um, you and your husband, Brandon, have been um, working on uh-huh. trying to create an accessible playground in your town. Um, can you share any more about what are, or who inspired that, um, who was the inspiration, <laughs> to use that dirty word again, um, and like what you're hoping to bring to your community with that playground?
2: Yes. One thing about me is if I have an idea, I have to let it happen. <laughs> Sometimes, to you know, detriment. Um, <laughs> I was, like, talking with my husband and Brandon last night, and my husband was like, you know, like, the difference between you and other people is you dream big dreams, that you are willing to put the right in to make them happen, and, and not mm. everyone's like that. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, but it's also exhausting. <laughs> uh, yeah. So... Then and I was in a small town and at the time that we had this idea in 2020, uh, 2021, and there was no like local coffee shop here. There's just like McDonald's and and Donuts. And you know, like coffee shops are like places of community and you can go and work and meet people and hang out. And so we were like, oh, wait, let's start a hockey shop. Not that we know anything about starting a <laughs> hockey shop, but we had the idea, and who knows? Um, and some of our friends are like, oh, it would be so nice if you had an uh, accessible playground that the kids can play at when the nons or dads are hanging out having hockey. And we said, I'm in a house, right? Yeah, that's a, like, why did we not think about that? And then, to the day, honest, things, like, went crazy from there because we were, like, our town also doesn't have a laundromat. We should also start a laundromat. Again, not that we know anything without having a laundromat. <laughs> and then, and, and somewhere along the way, like, a consignment shop that added on. So we, like, essentially just, like, had this, like, Vision is, I don't know, like a strip now, I guess. <laughs> I don't know why. A whole
1: but town I, center.
2: <laughs> but yeah, really, they're like trying to take over our town. And, <laughs> and so we were talking to other people, looking at buildings, blah, blah, blah. I don't, just like insane. And they're like, one day, yeah, we we're just like, what if we don't like we don't know how to do any of these things? And Brandon's like, well, what if we just noticed on the playground? And I said, oh yeah, like that sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, okay, like let's build an accessible playground here in our town. Because the closest one to us is about an hour away and on the other side of the city. And then there's a few others in Virginia, the but not anywhere close to us, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, like, started to take the work to become a nonprofit, And, and the nonprofit is called Growing Inclusivity. And and we looked, honestly, for a year for a piece of property that we could do this on. And, we put offers in on property, got denied a lot of times. <laughs> and then finally like had a pretty happenstance meeting with the owner of the doc place. And he was like, I had land, like put it here. And we were like, yeah. what? <laughs> Like mm-hmm. what are you saying? Like after a whole year, and like Roller has looking at property, mm-hmm. getting denied. John's raising the money, and he was like, yeah, like, let's do it. And so we, like, signed contracts and partnered with a local dust place, independence place here in Palatine, and he was like, here you go, like, do it," and and he just, like, totally hopped the vision and, like, cares about the community, and was like, this is amazing, like, I'm in. And... And yes, we, I still have no idea how it's going to happen because it's like a $2 million project and we have like (laughs) $100,000. So if you want to donate, you can do so on our website.
1: Well, Um, I was going to ask you, yeah, how do people, how do people donate? I'm assuming you're still fundraising. So how could people donate?
2: Yes, I think, you know, like, too, you so you can put it, like, in the show notes, but it's awesome. just, our I name mean, just growinginclusivity.com, and there's a big cool. thing that says, donate. Like um it. Nice. And, um, yes, but I had no idea, like, <laughs> if it will happen, then it will happen, yeah. but my husband is, like, so much more, like. Reasonable and rational <laughs> than I am. Like, I had an idea, and I'm like, okay, like two hours later, i would be like, why hasn't it happened yet? Like, what is it? And then it would be like, hey, you know, like, this is a really like a size to ten year project, and then right, it hasn't happened in like five minutes. Right. So he like, he calms me down because I like will work myself up and so now I'm like it'll happen someday somehow I don't know we'll see it right when it does happen that's awesome um,
1: that's awesome yeah, so we'll see. that is awesome that's, that sounds like a really wonderful project it's so cool that you found a landowner and business owner that was excited about about kind of bringing you on board too that's so cool um yeah. what we have been talking for quite a while, and I want to let you get on with your day. I know you have a CrossFit competition to get to. Um, <laughs> I have, um, I have a, one more question for you that um, is really near and dear to the work that that I do every day, working with the you know teens and families of of children. Usually, like I said, really young children with disabilities. Um, do you have any I I I almost don't like this question because I don't assume you to be the message for all people or anything like that, but do you personally have any message from your experience um, for the children and parents that are living that experience of, of diagnoses and disabilities and and difficult medical procedures and things like that? And any any words of any words of support or thought for them?
2: I think it's hard because I don't have the kid with a disability. I have four kids who are all in the place with like ADHD, but they don't have like medical conditions, which is what I that's all I had known. Mm-hmm. Obviously, is medical conditions and surgeries and things like that. And that was not to minimise anyone with ADHD. Like, mm-hmm. they, 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 like, they are wild, and it is exciting to learn here all the time. and um, But I, I think people that have kids these days that are born with all kinds of conditions are so honestly lucky to be born at this time because there's just so many... Chances to connect with other people mm-hmm. via social media. Like, I was going in 1990, and my parents didn't have the internet. They couldn't, like, right. Google medical times They couldn't Google, like, what happens after this surgery? Like, it, it was literally just not doctors and my parents, like, Hoping things went well, but like, with their expertise and with what they had, you know, like yeah. they, they were all making the best decisions that they had at the time, and I'm really grateful because I'm still here. And the absent if my parents had had a community of people that, like, all over the world that they could learn from and share wisdom with and teach. Things too, like I, I just think that's a change changer And so I know sometimes you can get like two in the leads on the internet, and things are like stereo on that side of things. So you have <laughs> to be the person that has downsides that that's on you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, mean, I, I just think there's so many ways to learn things and to be connected and and my friend had a baby recently that had very rare medical condition. And she was able to get connected like with people within our own city, which like before the internet and before foreign like, technology. She could have lived in the same city and not I known that there was people in 20 hours away that she can talk to and relate to and so I think that's really special and really important because just like I talked about finding the disability community for myself, it was probably just as important for my parents to learn as well. And on the flip side of that, like if you are a parent of a disabled kid, like find then places to be with other disabled kids because I wasn't. Yeah. No, not. yeah, um, not because my parents didn't want to. It just it, that just didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, like if yeah. it did, they didn't know about it, you know. <sighs> um, I and mean, like, my parents were and it's important that it met like once a year. So it's like once a year, I saw other kids on the East Coast that not kind of had done like me. In a sense that it wasn't like an all day in the day thing, which is hard to Brandon and I, mean, I hope to build this playground as a place that disabled kids and non-disabled kids can do together and learn and play and just interact. Like, I don't want non-kids and aren't disabled to not understand and another disabled person either, like, besides me. Okay. And so I, I just want people in general to have community and have like a sense of belonging in all spaces and not just like in their special needs classroom at school and then they don't have anything else all day Yeah, yeah, thank
1: you. That's really, once again, I'll just say that's really well put. Hannah, um, I just want to thank you so much. Very, very much for taking the time to meet with you, taking the time to um create the presence that you have online for, you know, for all of the people out there who um benefit from from your humor and your insight and um and your presence. Um and I just yeah, really want to thank you. And um again, I'm just gonna hold your book up for everyone out there. I'll pray for you and other outrageous things said to disabled people. Um, We didn't even talk about your amazing animals. Um, That's like a whole other, it's like a whole other conversation (laughs) represented in your book. I also grew up with a pig, a not mini pig. So (laughs) we could talk about that. (laughs) Um, And I hope you have a really wonderful afternoon. And yeah, please send me the information about um, about the playground, and uh, we will disseminate that along with the information about your book.
2: You. this has been so fun. And I literally just you like, have tried me better than I can describe myself. So <laughs> I need you to like, write all my diagnoses <laughs> for me. To uh,
1: well, um, I mean, there's a, a lot of great stuff to say. So I appreciate that you feel like I did you some justice today. Thank you so very
2: much. Have a great yeah, thank afternoon. Thank
0: you. You've been listening to Green Mountain Disability Stories, a series of conversations by, with, and for Vermonters with disabilities. We've been talking and listening to Experiences with Disability in Vermont, the Green Mountain State. The music for our show is by Soul June, an audio library release. This show is a production of the Center on Disability and Community Inclusion at the University of Vermont. You can find out more about the center by visiting go.uvm.edu slash c d c i.